Hello and welcome to Fact of the Matter, our weekly podcast where we talk about music, entertainment, arts, literature, language, fact, fiction, and everything else under the sun for your listening pleasure. If such things do make you sit up and say hooray, um, we will tread a very thin line between incoherent rambling. and vituperative gossip on one side and social arguments on morality and virtue on the other um not promising that we'll do a great job in fact we'll try our very best to fail miserably at it so who are we i'm ratan basu a sports media professional a trivia enthusiast and a long sufferer of acute verbal diarrhea and my fellow journeyman today is joy patacharya quizzer orator writer sports producer failed basketball pro and a self proclaimed expert on nose hair and world war 2 fighter planes especially of the messerschmitt variety i'm really excited to take this forward joy what about you hey rutin just took you a couple of minutes to destroy 10 years of a carefree world social media reputation you had to talk about nose hair didn't you well i'm going to tell them a lot about you as well in subsequent programs particularly about one particular trip to madurai where you we speaking just russian in the middle of the tamil nadu countryside i still want to know why you were doing that but before that also like slight correction i love german planes but i love russian tanks even more okay so that's fantastic what we'll do right now is give you an idea of what we are going to talk about this week this week we attempt a deep dive into the ongoing euro football championship surprise surprise we will uh, try and rustle up some known and unknown facts around this great championship of world football we will uh, then move on and unearth some rare gems around news items which joy uh, has uh, worked up, uh, as as sort of discovered over the last few days which have been published recently and then we will switch gears and trace the origins of a few interesting phrases and words which we tend to use in daily language in my case absolutely not at the end we will do a sharp check on our mental faculties which is very important by asking each other a few relevant or irrelevant questions and try and lie convincingly through our teeth while we are at it so firstly you don't need much practice you worked in sports too long you worked in the business of sport <laughs> you know i mean if we guys don't know how to lie through our teeth you know telling that anchor again ah oh, yeah you're looking perfect you're looking so handsome i mean that was perfect the last line was perfect oh, one more take that last take was beautiful but why not one more take so one hey we know how to lie around here <laughs> absolutely so quickly moving on to the euro we are now um, at the business of pointy end of the tournament uh, we we've, we've just uh seen the semi finalists the force the, the last four standing teams uh, identified england italy uh, we also have um denmark who are riding a emotional uh, fairy tale or or a big wave so as to say and we also have spain dark horses so while a lot has been discussed a lot of people are talking and a lot of pods are discussing the future of this tournament who will go and win um i thought i'll just try and you know unearth a few nuggets uh you know sort of riffing off italy to start with and my first big one is uh, uh, the euro championship of 1968 and this was a semi final where a very very interesting incident happened now knocked out of the 1966 world cup by the soviet union italy found the same opponents again blocking their path to the final of the 68 uefa football championship which is what the euro was called in those days and uh, in a hard fought semi final with lots of stars like gianni rivera like uh, the iconic captain of italy jacinto facchetti 
um, the goalkeeper Dino Zoff, who would later in 1982 captain the Italian World Cup winning team. Um, the match, which was played in extreme bad weather, uh, did not have any goals. So after normal time and extra time and a very hard-fought match, the only way to break the, the deadlock was to have a toss of the coin, which is the only time it has happened in the history of Euros. And uh, this is what the, it, the Italian captain and defender, Jacinto Facetti, says that he went up with the Russian captain. We went down to the dressing rooms together, accompanied by two administrators from the two teams. The referee pulled out an old coin I called tails. It was the right call and Italy went through to the final. He went racing upstairs as the stadium was still full and 70,000 fans were waiting to hear the result. And when Pacetti came up through the tunnel or the, up the stairs, that's when the 70,000 people realized that it was an Italy victory in the toss of the coin and not the Soviet Union. So this is the only time hey, this, you, it's happened. And, uh, you know, and you, I, you keep breaking my heart here. Why do you guys after the Soviet Union? I mean, we won the first tournament. Look, I love the Soviet Union because my dad was in the army and all the all the material that was given to us, our planes and all, they were all Russian. The Americans were the bad guys. And right. yet, every time in the Euros, you deny them. We won the first Euro. Yes. And then this coin toss happens. Then after that, something, 1988, we have a fantastic team and Marco Van Basten scores a goal in an angle, which is ridiculous. I mean, I haven't seen that angle in a geometry box, the kind of place from which he hit the shot. That, so, I mean, why are you guys after the Soviet Union, man? That, that, that Dutch, um, the Dutch shirt, which the the Netherlands and the Dutch team wore in the 1988 finals was actually incredible in terms of a fashion statement. I, I remember at that time, I really wanted to own one of those shirts, um, you know, and why they are called the Orange. But but yeah, I get your point about the Soviet Union. And is there, I mean, do you have a Soviet Union story? I have the real story. You you got me. Baku out then. Baku is one of the places where, you know, the tournament's being held. It's Azerbaijan, but that's former Soviet Union. And the most incredible part about it is the Baku Stadium is not named after a footballer. It's not named after an administrator as normally you have the situation. It's named after the linesman. So basically, Tofik Baharamov, that I got it right, Baharamov. Tofik Baharamov was the linesman in that famous match, 1966 match between England and Germany at Wembley. And there was a third goal that was given, which the Germans still say was wrong. And Bahamarov is therefore not just a hero in Azerbaijan where he's a native, but whenever England travels anywhere close, they go and they visit his grave because he was a hero for them. And of course, there's this completely apocryphal story that somebody asked him on his deathbed that was that a goal or not? And he said, Stalingrad. Obviously, a Soviet cannot forget Stalingrad and a Soviet cannot give a good decision for Germany. I think that's an apocryphal story. But hey, having a Stadium named after linesman, I think, is very cool. So it's it's interesting, Joy. You talk about Baku because uh, I found that amongst you know the the Euro Championships is obviously taking place this time across a much larger European footprint. Right, many countries are hosting the matches of the Euro Championships, of which one is Baku, the capital of Azerbaijan. And I was uh, looking at uh, some relevant facts of uh, about Baku, and I realized that. It's the world's lowest lying national capital city at an elevation of 92 feet below sea level. Um, the, it's, it's actually the world's biggest city located below sea level. And the only other one 
is unsurprisingly Amsterdam because of its connection to uh, the polders and connection to the dikes, etc., and how they reclaim land. But Baku is the world's lowest national capital ever. So that's fantastic. And also... Wait, I have to tell you one more fact about Baku. Baku is also the name of a traditional dress that's worn. I think it's one of the traditional dresses of Sikkim. And it's a wonderful, wonderful looking dress. My sister Indrani Lahiri had one of those and she wore it, I think, to every party in the Calcutta in the late 70s. So I always remember, will she wear her Baku today or not? This is this is incredible, and and uh, I wish you could you could show some visual clips in a podcast. But if since you can't, you escaped. But otherwise, I would have asked you to wear it and actually come up. the The other unique thing about Baku uh, is that it has a museum devoted to miniature books, and apparently, the Baku Museum of Miniature Books is the only one of its kind in the world. Not that too many uh, Europe Euro playing footballers would be interested in that. I'm I'm guessing, uh, but it. It also is, the third big feature I thought about Baku is that the sport of arm wrestling is apparently extremely popular in Baku. And the city features a lot of gyms and bars that host impromptu and formal arm wrestling tournaments. And guess what? The World Arm Wrestling Federation, WAF, has their main office located in Baku. Did you know this? My goodness, arm wrestling. I mean, no wonder nobody takes pangas with an Azerbaijani that easily. I mean, they would immediately challenge you and, you know, sort of. So that's that's a bit about Baku as one of the more interesting venues of Euro. A- any other thoughts about Baku, Joy? Anything else which uh, you want to, you know, talk about? I, I love Baku. We've had enough. That's enough. Like, as Azerbaijan would have said, enough about Azerbaijan. Yes. Let's leave it aside. That's enough. <laughs> I want to talk to you about another former Soviet. I'm still in the Soviets. Look, Soviets are where I am. Brilliant. So I love it where one former Soviet part of the Soviet Union is riling the other part of the Soviet Union. And this is the story of the rivalry between Ukraine and Russia. So Ukraine and Russia, the Crimea, which for which wars have been fought, as you know, was for centuries. Hmm. The Crimea is basically a disputed territory between the two of them. But technically, it's in Ukrainian territory. So just to make the Russians mad, what the Ukraine team has done is on their shirt, they have a design on their shirt. The design on their shirt is a map of their country. And within that, obviously, Crimea is, Crimea is also there. <laughs> so the point of it is Russians furiously protested. I mean, these guys turned around and said, you can't stop a team from having a map of their country on their jersey. So I love it. Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and, and we think that uh, only we have issues with the, the correct or incorrect version of uh, or representation of Kashmir in the map. I mean, this this obviously is something which happens in other places as well. And uh, from what I can see, this probably gives you a brilliant opportunity yeah. to speak to, uh, you know, Disney Plus Hotstar or one of the big giant digital content manufacturers to create a web series called Crimea and Punishment. Don't you think? Uh, face palm. I, I'm sensing the what you're doing right now is what? face palm. Yeah, face palm emoji. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that a lot whenever I say. I remember I, I mentioned right at the beginning that verbal diarrhea is a big part of my uh, repertoire. So there you go. Uh, nothing surprising. Okay, so that's 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 a bit about our main focus this week, which is the Euro Championships. And after this, we'll move into our second section right after this break.
Okay, welcome back. Um, we move into our second segment in our podcast, Fact of the Matter. And in this segment, we will have our great, great news entertainer, Joy Bhattacharya, bring out two nuggets from the world of current affairs, whether it's from India or abroad, and, you know, sift through hundreds of stories and bring out a few, you know, golden, delicious nuggets for our listening pleasure. So without wasting any more time and without taking away anything from what's going to come up, it's over to you, Joy. Thanks, Ratin. And this time, both my stories are from India. And the first one is from Madhya Pradesh, a place called Puranpur. There were these two brothers called Firoz and Sabir. And they had gone to buy, I think it was a cake for, you know, Firoz's daughter's birthday party. And they were coming back on a motorcycle with this cake of theirs when they were chased by a leopard. This... And what did they do? They went and they smashed the cake on the leopard's face and the <laughs> leopard ran away. <laughs> this is something you've made up. Why, why would they be chased? In... No, no. I mean, why... Where, where were they going? I mean, on a on a bike, on a road, I can I can understand holding a cake. You're taking a cake back for a birthday celebration. Look, dude, they're, they're not that many, they're not that many cake shops in Buranpur, man. <laughs> I mean, they must have been 140 kilometers away. So they go and they buy a cake. Now, look, the leopard, there's an important fact out there. So I also checked up that, you know, were they making up the story? They ate the cake on their way and they made up the story. The fact is, on that area which they said that they were being chased, they found leopard tracks. So there was a leopard. Now, whether it's a diabetic leopard or not, after this, nobody knows anything more this, this about sounds, it. But he was jumping in the sugarcane field. This is bizarre <laughs> because, you know, this this sounds very much like an a old college friend of mine who, who once came into an examination in my during my engineering <laughs> days about 45 minutes late. And when the invigilator stopped him and said, excuse me, you're 45 minutes late in a two-hour exam. What happened? And he said, <laughs> I was shot. I remember the entire room's went into stunned silence, pens went down and people looked at him. And then the teacher and then the, then the teacher actually asked him, what do you mean you got shot? Where's the wound or whatever? And he said, no, it just missed my hair by a whisker. And, you know, and, he, and, and, and the teacher was so stunned by this amazing excuse that he just pointed to an empty table and said, why don't you at least start the exam? We'll discuss this later. So your leopard story actually reminds me of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll have to go back to Shautik and uh, check with him if if if, uh, if he has any anecdotes which we can, uh, which which he can bring up, which will actually rival this in bizarreness. No, it has to be one of the best excuses ever given. But boss, I think the center of the world this week is currently Bhopal, is Madhya Pradesh. Because okay. my next story is also from there. It's from the capital Bhopal. And there is this medical college called Gwalior, in Gwalior called the Gajra Raja Medical College, GRMC they call it. Okay. And for a long time, people have been suspecting admission scam, you know, people taking bribes and all to give medical college admissions. Right. And the RTI, people have, you know, invoked the RTI to go and get it. And for three years, they've just been refused. And you know what the guys are saying? They're saying that the room in which the records are there is haunted. So nobody wants to go in. So we can't check the records. I mean, this is an excuse given in the 21st century. And so these guys are saying, you know, tell us why this admission was right. And Sorry, there's a ghost in the room. We can't go in. So I love it. Un unbelievable. Madhya Pradesh is truly where it's happening nowadays. Ghost stories and admissions and... Uh... 
a leopard who evidently loves cakes and love chasing people carrying cakes on bicycles. I mean, what better than uh, listening to these... Motorcycles, not bicycles. Motorcycles, guys. Motorcycles. Motorcycles. (laughs) Unbelievable. I, I will... I will think twice now about ever celebrating a birthday of either me or myself or some friends of mine at Jim Corbett National Park. Never again. I mean, God knows. God help you if a tiger starts chasing you, if you are, you know, saying happy birthday to you and blah, blah, blah. And there's my goodness. I mean, my mind boggles. But anyway, that was very, very uh, interesting. And uh, yeah, that that actually sort of uh, paves the way for more such interesting nuggets, which I'm sure joy you will bring up in uh, future episodes and with that we come to the end of this second section and we have uh, we will move into a completely different area but before that we'll take a quick break Welcome back to the next segment where we will talk a little bit about some interesting words, phrases, origins of uh, such phrases or words from where they come from and uh, why uh, these words and phrases have made their way into uh, commonplace English language, whether spoken or written. And uh, we'll try and see if, if we can make it really interesting. The first word which I have is a word called dulali or dulali tap which means to lose one's mind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting that this word came from a boredom felt at a British army transit camp about 100 miles northeast of Bombay, a place which even today exists called Deolali. It's almost like a hill station, I think, very close to Nasik. Now, this place, Deolali, had a very famous British army camp, which was used as a transit station for soldiers awaiting transport back to Britain. So from Deolali, the word Dulali came. Now, tap, a lot of people say, came from the Persian or Urdu word tap. I mean, the tub, which is also has its roots in the Sanskrit word of tap, which means heat or fever. So Dulali tap basically meant to go crazy waiting. Um, I, I thought this was, this was uh, quite interesting. You know, an uh, Indian uh, place giving its name to a word. Uh, and also, you know, uh, th- this place or this transit camp in Deolali actually has a uh, reference in a British sitcom I remember seeing called It Ain't Half Hot Mum, which is, again, based, it, it's a very tongue-in-cheek exposition of such army, um, you know, residents or army soldiers waiting transport in Britain at this camp. So this was my first word. Joy, yeah, feeling? yeah. Well, anyway, Deolali, now... I'm oh. not feeling tap at all. I am actually. I mean, Delhi, it's 43 degrees. I am feeling the tap. Oh. But more than that, you know, now if you're in Dulali, Dulali is more, if you're in Deolali, what you're more likely to be, instead of being feverish, is you're likely to be deaf. Because Deolali is still a very important army encampment, but now it's ahead of the school of artillery. Right. So the India's entire artillery school, all the training for the top artillery officers happens in Deolali. There are lots of firing ranges out there. So more likely than not, you're likely to be deaf in Diolali rather than hot in Diolali. But uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fun place. And you know, all this one, you know, one of the things that really broke my heart was when I found out that uh, you know the, there's a city called Mao, which is right next to Indore. Correct. And for all my life, I knew its name came from military headquarters of war because it was the center of the country. So Mao, actually, the city name came from military headquarters of Mao. 
Correct. And apparently that's not true. So my heart is officially broken right now. They tell me that originally that place's ancient name was Mao as well, and this is not correct. This is what we call a backronym. That means after you get the name, you've sort of made something to fit it later. So my, I'm really officially heartbroken about that. So actually, I thought a backronym means an acronym, which is so bad that it starts hurting your back. So, um, <laughs> but but anyway, I think I think uh, I'm also quite disappointed to know about MHOW not being military headquarters of war. I I actually thought that was what it was, but um, that brings me to my second word or phrase, and in this case, it's a phrase. It's a phrase called a parting shot, which we all know. You know, somebody delivers a parting shot, whether it's a repartee in a discussion or a conversation, um, or um, whether it's it's in a it's in a debate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, where does the word "parting shot" comes from? And then what I what I know and what I found out is that uh, you know the ancient Parthians were very very good uh, horse riders, and of course in those days Parthians always used to be in battle with you know various people around the Bactrians and and all the other Central Asian uh, you know countries or regions or whatever, and in these battles, the Parthians, who did not have the pleasure of having a stirrup to keep their feet in when they were on their horses, they uh, would rely solely on the pressure of their legs to guide the horses in battle. Now, as a result, uh, in various battles, one of the uh, strategies they, would, they had evolved was in the middle of the battle, on a certain command, the entire infantry would turn around the horse riders and go back or leave the scene of battle. Now, as a result, the opponents would often think that these guys are afraid and they're running away or they have given up, they've given up the ghost and they've lost the battle and they would start celebrating or some would begin to start chasing them, etc. But this was not a running away. This was a stratagem. What these guys did while going back all these riders who were also very, very good at archery, they would, they would stand up without a stirrup. Imagine using the legs to just, you know, pressing the legs on the sides of the horse. They would stand up, turn around and let loose a volley of arrows at their enemies. Now, this was called a Parthian shot because this no other, at that time, no other uh, country or no other army would had started and they, that word from Parthian shot got sort of changed to parting shot, which again in English language today means it's a last volley, which is completely unexpected, which, you know, sort of flattens you. So, no, no, it's a part, a Parthian shot is, is fantastic. I mean, and remember the step was actually invented, you know, in AD. I first really saw, you know, we, we've all heard of Parthians or not. The first time I actually saw what the Parthians were and all the other people who fought with them was in, I think it's an Asterix story, Asterix in the black gold. Right. And there you have all these tribes fighting each other. And one of the prides, I think, is the Parthians. Okay. And uh, it's it's fascinating how these things sort of come about, you know. Uh, I feel that comics and Asterix has probably taught me more history than any of the history books. Films, like, for example, Gone with the Wind taught me about the American Civil War. So I think films right. and books, storybooks and comics is what taught teach us history, actually. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, films, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's probably a discussion for another episode completely. Um, like the Shah Rukh Khan movie, Happy New Year, uh, taught me all about uh, Dubai and its hotels, for example, you know, yeah, which is not actually very exciting, yeah, you, but I thought. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Dubai and its hotels, dude, dude, 
get a life <laughs> okay that... for all my dubai friends sorry but get yeah. a life i mean, I mean taught that... me about dubai is hotels it's not the big bang theory dude it is dubai it's contemporary okay, history fine. right it's contemporary history i mean uh, given the fact okay, that okay. you given the fact that uh, going back to a five star hotel in these strange times is a part of history uh, i think we can uh, we can park it park it right there so okay so we now come to the the last section of our podcast and our uh, and this section as we promised right at the beginning is going to be competitive this is a section called bare naked lies what is this section all about joy and i will ask each other one question the answer to which is either true or false the question can be from anywhere or any subject under the sun one question each and we will keep our scores and we will try and see if we can at the you know at the end of a few episodes we will see where where, where this takes us and uh, today i will kick it off with my question and i will ask joy this question please answer in true or false is this an authentic saying by a spartan woman the daughters of sparta are never at home they mingle with the young men in wrestling matches is this a authentic spartan saying true or false look i really don't know about daughters wrestling match it sounds wrong to me man it just sounds wrong to me but i i'm not sure whether you have a trick up your sleeve because sparta the men weren't very interested in the women for sure the women were strong willed but it's not that they had much of a time because most of the time the men were off at war all the time and if not they were staying in these barracks they wouldn't even stay at home with their wives so i say i say it's false sorry it is true this was uh, <laughs> euripides uh, who had actually said this that the daughters of sparta are never at home they mingle with the young men in wrestling matches now in reality probably yeah the daughters of sparta wouldn't mingle with the young men because the young men were uh, not only not wrestling but they would be away in big exotic battles like uh, jared butler did in 300 and then you know the the sequel to 300 right but if you remember lena heady playing queen gorgo in the um, uh, in the second uh, uh, 300 you know franchise movie uh, yeah the daughters of sparta were quite spunky and 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 not to be trifled with and they were equally adept at war and equally adept at leading big armies into battle now yeah this is i mean sparta has always been a very very famous uh, or a very popular and a very famous area of interest for me um you know me and my spartan existence joy you, you know how i am but i'm happy to yeah uh, yeah spartan existence spartan existence yeah boss you know, i mean you will not even for you many anything which is not five star is is spartan for you i'm sorry ratin you're not going to get away with that one talk about spartan existence okay. i think your wife is in the other room i'm going to ask her right now so i i would stay away from it but i will give you a fact to make you happy okay here is my fact when truman capote used okay. to get bullied at school mm-hmm. the person who used to rescue him was harper lee the writer of to kill a mockingbird and then they would all go to have breakfast at tiffanys after that you would say something <laughs> like that yeah so this is what you're asking me whether it's true or false um yeah this is incredible this is like saying mark twain and arthur conan doyle regularly played snakes and ladders or something um i would go with true i'm i'm 
I'm taking a punt and I'm saying it is true. <laughs> Let me. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you it's true because it is such it a is. bizarre fact that it's actually true. Yeah. It is true. They went to the same school. Yeah. They went to the same school. He was to sort of. He was always, you know, Truman Capote always looked funny. You know, people really didn't know what he was like, but he was a brilliant journalist. And later. His breakthrough book was this book called In Cold Blood, which is that non-fiction story about the murders. Correct. And she helped with a lot of research in it. Mind you, by that time she's already a star. She's written, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird. Never wrote another. I mean, wrote another book right at the end of her life, but never wrote anything close to being that successful. But Truman Capote and Harper Lee being close is something I never knew. Wow, good one. Well, I mean, well guessed. That, so that means I win this round today, and that's fantastic because uh, <laughs> that also gives me the opportunity, Joy, to give you another Spartan motivational quote, which is "Winners train, losers complain." Always remember this. Oh, oh. That, that's that sounds like the Colin guide to good quotes, or as my friend uh, <laughs> Indy would say, "Gem guide to good quote," or you know, that it's it's stayed out of one of those. Uh, IS mugging motivational books, thin books that you get on the streets. No one of those ones. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. So that's that. Um, that's that's almost coming close to a wrap, uh, as far as we are concerned. Um, it's been great talking about this. It's been great trying to fiddle around the format. Um, we promise we'll keep uh, tweaking this format and doing more and more interesting segments as we go on. But for now, we would like to end. Um, we would also like to receive feedback from. All of you listeners, if there are any suggestions, any thoughts, brickbats, I know there won't be any bouquets, uh, any uh, ideas, any new areas where you would like to, you know, want, you'd like us to do some research and come back to you with some genuine stories from Joy and some extreme uh, verbal diarrhea options from me, please give us feedback at um, Twitter handles. My Twitter handle is at the rate Rathindra Basu, R A T H I N D R A B A S U. And to Joy. And I'm at uh, at Joy Vadicharj. My name is too long, so take out the Y and A from my surname, and the rest of my name is my Twitter handle at Joy Vadicharj. Okay, that's where you can get us. Fantastic. So with that, we come to the end of our inaugural episode. Hope you all liked it. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>